to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We are glad that you have joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Missoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, we have both been on the road this week. I'm, I'm actually still on the road broadcasting from somewhere else, someone else's mm-hmm. home along the I-5 corridor. But you had some excellent fishing adventures I think you should talk about. Yeah, so we went up to uh, the Lord of Shoots. There's a little recreation area there and we dry camped. So we were boondocking. We didn't have electricity or water hooked up to our little teardrop trailer and we um fished the Deschutes River and was that was that your first time doing it uh yes so we had gone out and my husband helped me purchase some waders so I had waders and boots for walking in the river and a new fishing pole and a reel and all the stuff that sounds so exciting. I, um, you know, my fishing experience taps out at taking my daughter and not putting a hook on the end because I don't actually want to catch anything. Well, you would have been right at home because I lost my hook a lot of times. So you can't fish with bait. So what you do is you tie a swivel to your um, line. And then from the second loop on the swivel, you tie your leader. And then on the hook, you actually put a weight. So you cast your line out and out over the water. And I spent most of my time sort of learning how to cast. I know how to cast, but for in this instance, you have to, for me, to get it out over the river about two thirds of the way, like beyond the middle point, I had to actually use both hands. So I held right at the reel and then the base of the pole. And I like took it back behind me and I was like, whoa hooking that thing up over the river. <laughs> That's was, so awesome. My arms are killing me, but I, I think it probably was kind of fun to watch me. My husband kept giving yeah. me a thumbs up. Oh, I love it. And you know, you don't see a lot of um, female, I mean, they don't even, they don't even say fish. They say fishermen. There There's was only three women. women for sure. There was yeah. only three. There was a gal with her dad. And then there were two, myself and our neighbor gal um, were the three women on the river. Well, that's so cool. Way to represent the ladies out on the mm -hmm. river. (laughs) Breaking the glass ceiling on steelhead fishing. Love it. And their fish weren't biting. So the run actually on the Columbia was closed, I think only to Coho. Coho are still open, but all the fish on the Columbia closed this like last Thursday. And then I think the run into the Deschutes kind of slowed down a little, maybe a gap over the weekend. I'm hoping it'll pick up for people to know to go get some of the fish 
um, that are still going east, traveling up to Idaho. Yeah, you have to catch it at the right time. On the dish. On the move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm proud of you. That's the funniest awesome. thing, the funniest thing was my husband snagged a bottom fish. I don't know what it was called, but he was like reeling in this fish and it was coming in sideways. And I was like, what did you catch? And it was like this really ugly fish. Um, and he actually caught the top fin. I think that's called the dorsal fin. He caught the fin with his hook somehow and reeled it all the way into shore. I was did like, he, how do we do that? <laughs> did he have to release it or do you? Well, do you... we did kind of wiggled off the hook and then the lady was like, hey, you weren't supposed to release that. That's a trash fish. We're trying to get rid of those. We're like, oh, no. Oops. That was too late. <laughs> That's a, this seems like there's a lot of rules. You got to you got to follow. There's like books and books yeah. on rules. That's why they want people <laughs> to have a guide. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we. We have an ad from our sponsor today. We want to thank Market of Choice for sponsoring our show. So, Sarah, take, take it away. away. <laughs> yes, Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folks realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. Thanks, Market of Choice. I actually have been driving up from California, so I just stopped in the um, Ashland Market of Choice store. I haven't oh, been in there before, so I checked it out. Did you get out. some food? I Well, we got some snacks. I figured what a great place to go and find some new stuff. So um, I checked out that shop. It's very cute. I love they Ashland. snacks. Yeah. So thanks, Market of Choice, for carrying all our mm-hmm. stuff. I checked out, you know, forward-faced all my sauces on their shelves. <laughs> That's nice. Yep. Well, we have a great guest we would love to welcome mm-hmm. today. Uh, I would like to introduce you to Becca Christensen. She is the co-owner of Portland Salt Company. Welcome, mm-hmm. Becca. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you both and great to see your faces again. Nice to see you as well. It's good to have you. Uh, We want our listeners to be able to find you online. Um, Can you tell people how to best find you on Instagram, places like that? Yeah, we're on Instagram. We're just Portland Salt Co. on Instagram. Very easy. Um, We are at www.portlandsaltco.com. And we also are active on LinkedIn and a little bit on Twitter. Cool. Well, we'll um, try to connect people to you in those ways. And um, we always like to kind of start at the beginning. So when did you start Portland Salt Company? Tell us, tell us. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I never thought I'd be sitting uh, right here um, running a salt company or a seasoning uh, company. So this is really fun. We started about the, the inspiration, the dreams really started to get going in the middle of 2001. Uh, 2021, excuse me, 2021, height of COVID. And we executed and launched the business uh, and launched our first product in December of 2021. Cool. So we're new, less than a year in market. That is new. And um, so tell us about um, where people can find you just right off the bat. Are you in stores? Do they have to go to your website? How do they find your product? Yeah, it's 
It's been a great journey. And I want to also thank Market of Choice. They have been incredible. They were one of the first retailers to pick us up. So you can find us in all Market of Choices. Um, You can also find us in Zoopans. And then we have a number of other great retail partnerships for some small, locally owned, kind of more independent retailers across the Pacific Northwest and then up into Washington. And then we do drive a lot of our business on direct-to-consumer as well. So we're sending a lot out from purchases through our website. That's good. What what did you do before you started Portland Salt Co? So I'm actually in the high tech industry. I have been in uh, tech, both at large companies in the uh, Oregon and Washington uh, space for the past 18 years. My Mm. background is in finance and in sales. So a lot of time in business, just on a totally different side from an industry perspective. And I still do that. So this is really something we've been building on the side um, as we continue with our uh, kind of professional corporate lives. Um, Okay, Becca, so you started working when you were one? (laughs) (laughs) I graduated from the University of Oregon in 2005. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm approaching two decades in the corporate world, which is shocking. (laughs) Well, um, we want to describe to our listeners what your product is if they have never had it before. So let's start... Let's start um, by describing some of your products to people. Oh, I love that. So just in terms of background, we pair up Pacific Northwest sea salt. We think that the Northwest has incredible sea salt coming off our cold oceans. So we pair Pacific Northwest sea salt with a bunch of spices and herbs to make these really well-balanced blends. That's mm-hmm. kind of the vision of the company to make it super easy for you to execute, you know, great food at home with a, a perfectly balanced blend, perfectly seasoned blend. And, um, so, oh, go ahead, Sarah. And you love to travel. We and love that's why you decided travel. to do this. You know, food has been part of my history. I, every single moment that's a a great moment I can remember centralizes around food, food at the dinner table with family, food and celebratory aspects. So it's just really been part of, you know, how I've grown up. And as I've gotten older and gotten to experience some travel and uh, started to get into global travel, it just became kind of the forcing function to try new destinations and to visit new countries um, I'm so inspired by people's stories around food and different cultural experiences that you can learn through the lens of food. And that's just become such a big passion. So I think food has always been present in my life. I am a huge home cook. I love to entertain. I love to do big, you know, food oriented events. And so this was just something that I had envisioned getting into for a very long time, but it's hard to leave high tech. So, uh, here we are doing a little bit of a side project and hoping to build into something so much more. It's a side hustle. It is a side hustle. I've heard you got to get into the side hustle game before you, before you leave your day job. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we're going to build that up and and hopefully this will be our future. It's pretty impressive that you're already in marketed choice and a other great retailers in a year. That's amazing. Thank you. I attribute that to the, this community and I I can explain how we got there when we get there, but it's, uh, it's all of the people like you guys contributing to the makers in the Pacific Northwest who are leaning in to help us learn and make the right moves. Well, when you were, um, figuring out how to start in, in 
2021. Um, what was that process like for you? You know, we have a lot of listeners who are kind of dreaming up their business right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's nice to hear how you really got going. Yeah. My sister-in-law, she worked out in wine country and she was the marketing, worked in the marketing department of one of the oldest wineries here in Oregon. And one day she decided to leave her job and she, um, you know, just felt that she wanted to go out on her own and help small brands start to build um, from a marketing standpoint. So she builds, um, big marketing assets and works as a creative agency to help companies kind of build their vision around a set of assets and a brand. Mm. And I had been talking to her about a number of ideas that I had been thinking of all in the culinary space. Um, And she gave me a lot of inspiration and uh, we just kind of got started one day. I said, I'm going to start a company. I'm no longer on airplanes for my corporate travel and I've got a lot of downtime at home. So let's start um, start a business. And this, the steak salt, it's our flagship product. It's the first one we brought to market. And it is something we've been making for a, a close to 10 years. It took my husband two to three years to really refine the exact kind of nuanced blend of the salt and the spices and all the seasonings to come together. And friends and family were really used to it. We served it at home a lot at dinner parties And when the pandemic happened, we couldn't host anymore. So um, friends and family said, hey, you know, we can't eat your steak at your dinner parties. Will you ship us some steak salt? So oh, that's cool. It was this kind of parallel motion of COVID giving us some downtime to really have that creative, you know, energy unlocked. Paired that with the fact that we were getting a lot of support from friends and family who were saying, Hey, you've got something that we all love. We all miss. We'd love it. And, um, you know, getting some great coaching, you, you kind of asked how I started the, the marketing team that we worked with. They said, have you ever heard of the food innovation center? And I said, mm-hmm. no, I've never heard of the food innovation center. They're like, well, there's an incredible center that really is kind of focused on developing and building and working with local makers to bring these brands to life. Mm-hmm. And I quickly emailed and I had a, a consultation with Sarah Masoni right. mm-hmm. and I was incredibly impressed. And the first thing you said, Sarah, after we went through, you were like, you guys are two working professionals. How are you going to have the time to figure this out? You gave us great coaching and advice on, on how to get started in that process. And so, you know, I think that was a long way to say we got there through really leveraging a lot of the great resources here locally to learn what that process looked like in terms of bringing a a food business to life. Very cool. Um, We're going to take a a quick break. We've heard kind of how you got started, but um, we'll get into some manufacturing and how things are going when we come back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we're back. You don't only just make steak salt, you also have a pork rub, a pita salt, and some sugar toast. Or toast for sugar? No, sugar yeah, for toast, toast sugar. <laughs> toast sugar. Sugar for toast. That is correct. Tell us what's in the pork rub. What makes it special? 
Yeah, our pork rub is um it's inspired by a lot of the uh the barbecue trips that we have been on throughout the United States. It is a beautiful blend of kind of sweet and smoky notes. We've got really brown sugar forward. We add in that Pacific Northwest sea salt. We've got some paprika, some just really nice spices. This has been um, one of the rubs we've been using for a number of years when we do our um, smoked pork shoulders and have in, the just makes these incredibly delicious um, and perfectly flavored pork. So that that one was really special just something we've been making, um, for a very long time and really a crowd pleaser. I mentioned our steak salt. That is absolutely our flagship. We, um, people, is that your bestseller? You know, it really varies. It varies depending on kind of what the audience is when we're sampling at events. It, it, it depends. Um, it's our, honestly, when we launched, we did a three pack and that was our, that's been our bestseller to date as you know, our folks seem to be really open to trying all three blends. We do our steak salt, our pita salt, which is our version of a zatar, which is beautiful. And then the toast sugar was just a really fun way to bring kind of a classic cinnamon toast experience in a nostalgic way, um, in a sprinkle that you can just put on some buttered toast. And we add some sea salt and vanilla sugar and a little bit of molasses in there. But I, I was going to tell you, Sarah, our, our Zatar, it's uh, called pita salt. Um, it is really a unique blend. So Zatars are generally um, either a Zatar leaf or thyme, um, usually paired with sumac and sesame seeds. We put a little bit of coriander and cumin in ours. So there's a little bit more of an Egyptian influence, but Zatar is really a blend, a Middle Eastern blend that there's all these variations too, depending on kind of where you grew up in the Middle East and, and how your family has been blending Zatars. So we were really inspired some incredible trips um, between the Middle East and the Mediterranean and, and brought this Zatar to life, which we're really, really proud of. And when you're demoing, I would say top seller between the Zatar and the steak salt. That's cool. I saw that you have some really nice recipes on your website. Are you the one that develops those recipes, Becca? I am. Yeah. I'm one of those odd people that reads cookbooks for fun. Ooh. <laughs> I know two other people like that. <clears throat> Just continue to get inspired by what people do with uh, their food. And then you can pair that or pair that with amazing photography. And I could read cookbooks all day long. And there's some amazing chefs. So generally I'll, you know, peruse cookbooks, um, start with a single ingredient, kind of work back to get inspired to design uh, the recipes that are on our website. So all of original recipes, but really drawn from inspiration across the board in terms of, you know, where we get the ideas for the recipes. The Buddha bowl sounds really good. I think I might have to make that one. I would love, love to have you make that. And I want to hear how you like it. <laughs> But tell us, how do you put your salt in the blueberry muffins or is that the sugar? Yeah. So the blueberry mushroom muffins, it was really more of a streusel ad. So what I want people to think about with the toast sugar is it's so much more than just, you know, apply it on a buttered slice of brioche. There's mm -hmm. so many ways to incorporate it in, whether it is um, in a cinnamon roll like form, whether it is in a streusel on top of a blueberry muffin, that's how we did it on the blueberry muffins, mm, um, or even like a roasted apple. It's a great seasoning blend to just sprinkle on an apple, 
throw it in the oven, a whole apple and just have a really awesome and slightly guilt-free, you know, sweet treat at the end of the day. When you were talking about cinnamon toast, my, I'm at my, um, husband's parents' house right now and they always make, um, cinnamon toast and, and put it under the broiler. And so Mm -hmm. it gets like really crispy. So I think, Mm. I think that's what I want to try with your, with yours. Yes, absolutely. And we've done French toast with it. Mm. We just demoed. So we love to do local events and we've been doing like snack fest and Portland night market. We just demoed with a uh, compound butter. So just whip that up with a bunch of, uh, Kerrygold butter. And it was, really, really phenomenal. Oh my gosh. You need to do a butter board. Oh yeah. I know. <laughs> the new you could have it like with, you could do like the, um, feta with the sitar on it. You could do uh, butter with cinnamon and you could do something else with the steak seasoning and then have the three different snacky pieces to dip it in. It's on my, it's on my content creation. Got to get that on (laughs) Instagram. There's a whole hashtag butterboard right now. Yeah. Jump on that. I know. I know. (laughs) Actually. So there's a woman, she is a caterer in Detroit, makes incredible looking food. Her, her Instagram is time and honey. And she just did a butterboard featuring our Zatar. She did a Mediterranean inspired butterboard and um, ended up getting a beautiful article in the, in the Detroit press about her butterboard inspirations and included us. So that was, that was really oh, phenomenal. That's so nice. You yeah. can do the roasted tomato feta um, pasta dish too. Yes. And get that incredible. hashtag and sell your spices that way. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good way to get some kind of free press sometimes if you just mm-hmm. like find the trending things and, the old and granola, get on them. Uh, gr- I was going to say granola marketing, guerrilla marketing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Different than granola marketing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but you could do some TikTok. I'm sure you're great in the kitchen. Have you done any TikTok with your stuff? You know, I haven't gotten into TikTok yet. It is a miss. Uh, I think this is where kind of the challenge of having the side hustle uh, comes into play. It's just the hours in the day kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know what? And, there's, I guess there's trending music. So you go on, you pick the most trending music, and then you just come up with 30 seconds of something. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And we've been trying to do that a little bit with the reels on Instagram. So the reels are, you know, a great way to have awesome content in a really short period of time. But the reality is for a 30 second reel, you're spending two hours between prep, video editing, lighting, food styling. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. So um, what if you didn't corporatize it and you just winged it? Can you do that, Becca? <laughs> yeah, I think that I can I do that. It's a great question. Can I break down like the perfectionist part of me? Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. <laughs> That's when people hard. usually hire somebody to help them, especially if it is like a, you know, something that you just can't tackle because of time. Usually having someone help is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. That it's kitsch platform too, right? Sarah Marshall. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to share information, but if your problem is time to create content, then usually that's when you know you need some help. Oh, Sarah Marshall and I are brainstorming having a demo counter at the um, fancy food show inside of our incubator village. Yeah. Maybe... 
I saw that in, uh, in an email and we're absolutely planning to be there at the incubator village and we would love to collaborate on a demo. Yeah. yeah I think Sarah, I have a whole list of people who have all said, yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's actually the first time I met you, Becca, was at the fancy food show. How was that event for you as a new maker? It was, it was really incredible. I honestly, I didn't have a ton of expectations because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I had talked to others that had been there um, and they shared, you know, the, the best practices and the things that they had learned. It was a phenomenal experience to just get more integrated into the food industry. I've done trade shows for, you know, galore in high tech. And you feel like one trade show, you've done one, you've done them all. But the reality is in the food industry, it's incredibly different. So we had the opportunity to learn from distributors, from brokers, uh, get connected with some press folks. We had a number of retail partnerships that came out of that event. And um, we really got to learn and lean into what is going to prepare us to be even more successful in the next event. So I'm, I'm really, really energized by that. And I think, you know, the program that you guys have, the Food Innovation Center has in terms of, you know, bringing and giving a platform for some of these really small companies and in incubation phases is incredible. It's, it's really invaluable to people like us. Here's a great tip that I learned from Sarah Marshall when I was in Vegas with her, because I got to eat with her at all these <laughs> wonderful restaurants. She had little bottles of her sauce and we gave it to the chefs at every restaurant. That is amazing. I I'm going to start that. a movement based on that. <laughs> so in our next meeting about the trade show, I'm going to tell everybody, okay. Tips and tricks. You got to have small packages of your stuff and hand it out at every restaurant you go to. Well, and you know, I've been doing that for a long time and it really does help. And that's not even something that I necessarily sell. Like uh, the bottles are so small. They're just little two ounce travel bottles, but I started making them so that I can, cause you know, I would never be able to wholesale those. I would, it, you know, would be like pointless. Um, but I make them, I manufacture them anytime I'm going to go out of town so I can get, pass them on to people or just throw a bunch in my bag. And I will just get it. I don't always give them to chefs. It's just like anyone that I think would appreciate it and maybe even like share it with their family. Or if they hear that I make spicy food and they say that they like spicy food, that it's that. And I think just having that one-on-one -on -one connection is like, those kinds of things are so important to me, like to connect with each customer, like individually. So like me giving them this gift is the way that I like connect to them. And so I, you know, I would recommend it for any maker to have something like that. Like well, that where, and it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money, you know, like right. the, yeah. it's very, it's a very small amount of sauce in there, you know, okay. and a very small amount of packaging. Well, that's not only the important reason why you would do it. The important reason why you would do it is because of taxes. So when you travel for your business and you hand out food samples, mm -hmm. you can write off the travel expense. Yeah. Interesting. That's true. Okay. <laughs> I, I figured obviously at a, an event like a fancy food show, most of it's tax deductible anyway, but to really kind of expand yeah. on building your business and taking advantage of the fact that you own your own business and there are tax mm -hmm. uh, benefits, that's very smart. And actually one of the previous shows that you two did together, you were talking about all the opportunities that it creates and that you look at every single kind of interaction with a person as an opportunity. And I am very much in the same, same space. I think my favorite quote in life is uh, luck favors the prepared. And 
you're prepared by helping create those opportunities. You get lucky because you continually create those opportunities to grow. And I think that's a great example of how you do that. That's great advice. <laughs> I always like to ask um, our makers what what flavor, what products tells your story best. Is it is it your steak seasoning, you think, or is it a different one we don't know about? You know, I think at the end of the day, our, our vision is our mission is to make it easy for anyone in, in the home cook kitchen to have an incredible and memorable experience around food. To me, that ties me back to the steak salt, the story of bringing everybody together around a dinner table, which is why we're here, why we've created this business. Um, the great news is that I think that mission, you know, remains the same, but as our products kind of, as we grow into new products, we can continue to keep kind of that central core focus of bringing people around a table to have incredible food as, as the, you know, where our end goal is. And, um, that can continue to evolve as we evolve in terms of bringing new products to market. Since you're involved in selling in other industries, have you set some clear sales goals for your company? It's a great question. I mean, every single, you know, you, you mentioned kind of investing in like content creation and that kind of thing. Every conversation is an ROI conversation in the small business space. You do not want to make an investment without having a very clear understanding of if it's going to prioritize giving you, you know, the maximized impact for that investment. And you have to think both short-term and long-term. So, um, you know, when we, when we did our first run of inventory, we, planned for this business to be successful, not planned for, you know, a, a pretty small run and something that would challenge us and stretch us and put us in possible, you know, shortage and constraint situations. So I think that, you know, we are definitely um, putting targets in place right now. We're really happy with the, the success that we've had, the retail partnerships, the wholesale partnerships, um, and the areas of opportunity, we see some growth possibly in like restaurant and uh, the service side of the industry as well. So for the next year, we will put a little bit more concrete goals in place. But right now in this startup, I think we've been very happy with, with what we've got thus far. But again, operating everything as a PL. Mm -hmm. Have you Do sold to anybody famous? Sorry, squeezed one in there. Oh, I would. Oh gosh, Sarah, that's a great question. Uh, I wish if you have any connections to really famous people, um, I'd be willing, willing to accept You them. just have to sell to me and Sarah. <laughs> uh, I will tell you that at the uh, food innovation um, or at the uh, fancy food show in New York city, there was a gentleman we got connected to, and he's a former food critic and writer in New York City, and he Ooh. is working with the hint. We've contracted him as well as a, um, a woman who focuses specifically on kind of marketing and press development. And our big focus kind of going into the holiday is to figure out how to get on gift guides and some earned media. And he, they've pitched us to a few people that would be considered famous in the food world you know, still TBD on whether we, we get lucky on those opportunities or not. Well, and a lot of times you won't know, you won't know until the article comes out. <laughs> so, and then you'll be like, Oh wait, something's oh, happening. That's what, that's what my husband and I will always do. Cause, cause our phone will like, you know, start notifying us that we have a lot of online orders and we're like, 
what's happening? And then we'll like Google ourselves and then, yes. <laughs> and, then we'll find, and then we'll find the article and be like, oh, cool. You this can person that I yourself. talked to nine months ago, it just, you know, wrote this up or it's just finally come out or whatever it is. But it's always very exciting. We like make sure to celebrate those things when they happen. Yeah, very you can exciting. have Google tr- um, track you, right? So you'll get a Google report when you show up and... Yeah, I've never done that. I guess that's I do. probably a good idea. You do that. Just go on and put in your name and your company name and every once in a while I'll get a little report. That's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write myself a note to do that. That's you a good can idea. also <laughs> go and Google and research trends. Did you know that? So yeah. like you can ter- just search sea salt and then it'll like pop up this diagram of where's who's buying sea salt and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. That's cool all important things. Well, Sarah mentioned sea salt where, so you don't manufacture the salt. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, Sarah's kind of comment around, um, fixed number of hours in a day. She said, you know, we were looking for a kitchen we could leverage and, um, rent and we were going to blend and package ourselves. And she was like, you do not have time for this. Have you heard about (laughs) co-packing? So that quickly really uh, launched us into doing a lot of research around the co-pack industry. And it's a huge industry. And Mm. even some of the largest global brands, you know, in the world don't manufacture themselves. They leverage co-packer for scalability and, you know, all of that. So it was an incredible opportunity to get a little deeper into learning about that side of the business. We do use a co-packer. We work really closely with them, not only on the blends, right? All of these are proprietary blends that we've come up with. We refine back and forth through the scaling process because what you make in your home in a cup is a little different when you start to kind of build it out at scale. So we're refining the recipes with them. And then we work with them to make sure we're sourcing um, and using the spices and seasonings um, of the quality levels that we we desire and expect. And then also that we're sourcing Pacific Northwest sea salt as well. That's kind of the core of our, our brand. Cool. I I wasn't sure when um, when we were first starting the show, I didn't know if, if because if you, you see your name and you see Portland Salt Company, you would know that probably you're not going to be able to make your own salt in Portland. So I assumed it was a a blend. It's like when you meet a um, chocolate maker and they're either, you know, a chocolatier or they're like actually making the, making the chocolate. So you're blending these wonderful ingredients together. Correct. Create a special product. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Portland, at least um, Oregon, at least is on the map for salt with Jacobson. And we're Mm -hmm. in a very different lane than them. I mean, they do have blends, but their core business is harvesting incredible salt. Mm -hmm. we're, our core business is really about refining the perfectly balanced, um, you know, seasoning and salt blends so that you don't have to think about your meal. You can just know that you're going to have incredible flavor every time you use it. That's good. And we always like to talk to makers about packaging. So, um, let's describe your packaging to the listeners so they can recognize it on the shelf. Yes, we have a a four ounce puck size. We're currently, you know, since we're still in early stages, definitely going to be evaluating different sizes. You had mentioned kind of a small bottle that you have, but right now we've got a four ounce puck. It's a six ounce jar, but four ounces is a product in like a round puck size. It's not a tall shaker and there is no shaker on there. And we did that intentionally. 
Uh, many chefs, most cook with their hands. I cook with my hands. I season with my hands. And we really wanted to be able to have the ability to reach in, grab and season. So it's a pretty wide open mouth at the top of that jar. Um, originally, we explored glass and plastic and sustainability is a really important piece of packaging design and making good decisions about packaging. We went with um, a PET, uh, PET plastic. So it's a recyclable plastic saves on some of the freight and gas and, you know, oil costs associated with shipping with the weight, um, and enables you to recycle. So that's where we're at today on our packaging. And then we've worked with an incredible local company on all the graphic design elements of the brand itself and, and, you know, building out the labels and for holiday, we actually, I'm, I'm showing you both here. Ooh, that's pretty. On holiday, we're coming out with a three-pack box. So really trying to show you, you know, exactly what you can do and get inspired with uh, the design on the, on the box, the fish, the bread, you know, the shrimp, all of the applicability that these seasonings have across the board in food. Um, for a nice holiday gift giving experience. Wow, you could just put that with a bow on it and put it right under the tree. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it looks so cute. You, um, Our listeners can't see it, but I can just tell you guys that it's a very beautiful gift box. And I'm sure if they go to your Instagram, they'll be able to see a photo soon, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think gift... Um, gift packaging is very important for um, food manufacturers. And I think sometimes people forget about that aspect, but if you, um, you know, have some kind of gift box that is well-designed, it puts you into two different, um, um, two different retail establishments initially, which is you can be in grocery and, you know, be on grocery store shelves. But if you have a gift box, you can also be considered a gift and be in gift sections of stores. And so it really opens up a bigger market to you. And so I think that, um, you know, anytime that I meet anyone, if they don't have a gift box yet, I try to suggest that they have one and they have a nicely yeah. designed one. And, you know, I, even when I first started, I used like this candy box and we, um, just put a sticker on it. I mean, and that worked until we could figure out the design of everything else. But I think if you can, um, if you can figure that out, I think it becomes pretty important to being successful in this food world we have going. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many different channels. So you mentioned retail and gifting, but then if you think about, you know, the space that um, my husband, Justin, and I work in, in high tech, they're, they're giving amazing gifts in, in holidays or various points in the year to all of their employees. And these are big, big companies. And so gift giving, I think is a, a huge piece for like the corporate side and mm -hmm. corporate gift mm -hmm. baskets and yeah. building that out as a channel too, um, has also been a focus of ours. That's yeah. It makes sense. It's a good, it's a good focus. Um, to have in a good world to be in. I mean, they have whole whole companies that are designed around corporate gift giving. So if you can yeah. find those people that are putting um, putting those baskets together, it's a good place to be for sure. <laughs> and we always like to ask um, if you have any advice for people that are currently dreaming up a business. Um, my first piece of advice is probably, um, well, it's actually make sure this is something that you love. Um, the reality is that it's never easy to start a business. It doesn't happen overnight. There's always going to be roadblocks and challenges, um, but there's going to be a lot of fun moments. And if you are really passionate about what, you're, what your business is, um, what you're building your business around, 
it makes it so those late nights of packing boxes, um, after you put the kids to bed, it's, it's fulfilling because it's something, you know, you're, you're really driving towards and something that you love. Um, and then the other piece of advice is probably in line with what Sarah said to us is, you know, plan for success and scale and building it in a way where you can think kind of both short, medium and long-term becomes really important in decision-making. So you don't have to redesign your packaging a year after you launch, or you don't have to spend a ton of time rebranding or having a brand new website built, you know, kind of having some um, long range planning as you build your business, I think will help eliminate duplicative costs of having to do things over. Yeah, that's good advice. And um, we always like to know how we, as your community, so us or your listeners, anybody can support you. What do you need from us? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I, I would love for you all to try our products, to tell your friends if you love them. We love to do local events. So we're going to be doing snack fest. We're going to be doing a ton of holiday events out at Durant. We're really excited about the, the Durant events and I'm partnering with them. We're in the Durant store as well. Um, and we just love to see your faces out at those local events. And, and if you love us, you know, refer your friends. I think that's um, really what makes this such a special place to be in terms of a food community. And then I would love to continue to stay connected to, you know, all of these great mentors and leaders in the makerspace. So I'll continue to show up um, and, and stay involved in this community. Very cool. Well, I'll be at both of those events too. So oh, I'll be your booth buddy for sure. And I always have lots of good snacks. So you can come, <laughs> come hang with me at my booth. <laughs> oh, at, uh, are you going to be at Durant or at Snack yes, Fest or both? I'm going to be at both. Yes. Yeah. Look yeah. at that. Well, we're thrilled. And um, I think just beautiful venues, great opportunities to get in front of people you wouldn't have otherwise had the chance to get in front of. And just a really fun time. Yeah. Yeah. I love being out of Duran. It's so beautiful there. So that if people don't know about that event, I think I've, I've talk, definitely talked about it here before, but they do the olive oil festival. So that's coming up. So we'll, um, we'll give you date details probably next show, but, um, but there's lots of great makers that go out there. So it'll be really good. Amazing. All right. Well, I hate to say it, but I think we are at our final time. So will you just tell people where they can get your salt one last time? Yes, of course. So we are in the Pacific Northwest in all of market of choices in Zupans. We are also in Durant and we're in a number of local small independent retailers. We're in World Foods, Restyle in Corvallis. We've got a number of spots and a few up in Washington. And if you can't make it to any of those, you can find us um, at portlandsaltco.com and we love to ship our products directly to you and we ship them fast. So thank you for all of the support and thanks for the opportunity to talk with you both today. Of Thanks, course. Becca. Thanks for being a guest. We record Sony and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Sony and Marshall. We will be back next week, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 
10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.